Happy first day of spring. <laughs> if you're watching at home and you haven't got out of bed, stay there. Don't look outside. Just enjoy the day while it lasts. Uh, yeah, Alberta, springtime. It's crazy. Um, but whether you're at home, whether you're here in person joining us, I uh, hope you're excited to dig into the Word of God uh, once again. Uh, to do that, you can join me in turning to the book of First John. First uh, John is where we're going to be. Uh, chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 19 to 24 uh, this morning. And I'll just add here once again, just by encouragement, uh, that you would be on your own time just reading through the book of First John. Uh, just maybe a couple of times a month. Uh, just to keep everything fresh in our minds, help us see sort of the big picture of what John is really wanting to say to us. Because um, what he has to say is important. And the passage that we're coming to uh, this morning is actually, it's, it has, it's one of the reasons I wanted to speak on the book of First John in the first place. Because uh, it's one of these passages where John is talking about a, sh- a certainty. Uh, he's talking about the assurance that we can have. He's talking about confidence. Um, He's really talking about finding rest and peace in our lives and in our hearts uh, because of Jesus Christ. Um, and that peace that we can have in Christ is available to us, to us even as people who are living, as you know, in such uncertain times. Uh, when I started this sermon series, uh, you know, we were still dealing with COVID and, you know, that Omicron variant and people were all, you know, freaking out. And, you know, I was, I was like, surely that's as bad as things can get is what I thought naively at that time. Little did I know, before I was even done this sermon series, we'd be dealing with the reality of a war in Europe. Um, you know, threats of nuclear war and use of biological weapons. It's crazy. Today's world is so full of turmoil and fear and things to worry about. There's more than enough anxiety uh, to go around. But the words of John in our passage really provide a pathway to peace uh, for all who believe. And I hope these words will be a great encouragement to us all. They certainly were to me this week. Uh, so let me encourage you to follow along with me as I read uh, from 1 John chapter 3, beginning of verse 19, where he says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Father, even as John said that last line, the spirit you have given us, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be working among us here this morning uh, to be the spirit of truth uh, in our lives, Uh, be the spirit that is testifying to our own hearts of the confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ through the salvation that is available to him. Lord, I pray that as we come to you in, in in a time in our world that is so full of turmoil, I pray that you would speak deeply to us a message of peace. Um, And that, Lord, whatever, if we come this morning and we're busy or we're distracted or we're hindered, that, Lord, you would allow us to take those things aside at this moment 
just so we can listen to your voice, that we would be still before you in this moment, and that, Lord, you'd be high and lifted up and glorified as we speak about the peace that we have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a story that was told about a young art student. And the student was given this task by his professor to paint a picture of perfect peace. And the man thought about it for a while and he began to paint. And as the time was drawing near for his task to be completed, the professor began to make the rounds of the class. And most of the other students had painted, you know, Pictures of rainbows and, you know, of sunny days or family picnics. You know, calm waters. But as he approached this young man's picture, the professor was surprised at what he saw. Because, you see, the young man had painted storm clouds and images of war and sickness and death. So the professor, you know, kind of scratched his head a bit. And he said, you know, I thought the assignment I gave you was to paint a picture of perfect peace. And the young man replied, I did. And then he pointed to a tree in the middle of all of that chaos. And on one of the branches of that tree was a little bird covering its sleeping young chicks with its wings. And it was a picture of perfect peace for those who are under the wing. Because that young painter knew that true peace was something that transcends the circumstances of our lives. Peace can be found even in the middle of sickness and storms and trials when you know you're safe under the wings of our loving God. And yet, again, for so many people, that peace is something that is hard to find. And again, if we're honest, we live in this world that has a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And it's almost normal in our lives, you know, that, that we're worried about stuff. I mean, we worry about everything. We worry about our kids and our, our jobs and our economy. And uh, I've said it before, we worry about how much we worry. Um, and to make things worse, I mean, again, we just got through COVID and now we're on the verge of what could be an all-out war. So how, with all of that going on, how as we believer, as believers do we hold on to the peace That is promised to us. Well, that's something that John talks about to us in our passage this morning. As he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, he says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. And I actually really like the NIV translation of that verse that says, This is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. This is really John's personal picture of perfect peace in Christ that he's putting on display here. And he wants his readers to to know this as well. He wants us to experience this peace. He actually comes right out and says in verse 19, he says, by this we shall know. It's not, you might know it. He's not saying, you know, perhaps it might be something that's yours. You know, it's not a possibility if the circumstances in your life are are just right, you're going to experience this. No, he says, "This this is how we shall know. John is saying, this is something I don't want you to be ignorant of. This is not something that I want to be sort of a gray area in your life. He says, I want you to know this clearly and take hold of this truth in your life personally. In fact, this idea of knowing something, of taking hold of it, is one of John's big themes in this entire letter. Uh, he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, he says, By this we know that we have come to know him. 
1 John 2, 5, he says, this is how we know we are in him. 3.10, this is how we know who the children of God are. 3.16, this is how we know what love is. 3.24, this is how we know that he lives in us. Verse 4.2, by this we know the spirit of God. 4.13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. And 1 John 5.2, he says, this is how we know that, that we love the children of God. This is how we know. John's letting us know that there is truth that we can know in our lives as believers. Truth that we can take a stand on. Truth that is true even in tough times. There are things that we can have absolute assurance about in our lives as Christians. These are words of confidence that should reassure our hearts in Christ Jesus. And, you know, John is so convinced that we need to hear this truth about, you know, the certainty of our salvation in Christ and the peace that can be found. This is actually the second time that he brings this, this topic up in the letter. And he's actually going to bring it up one more time, once before, before he's done. Uh, John actually reminds me a little bit of that old past, that story about that pastor who, you know, he preached the same sermon every week in his church, you know, over and over again. And they said, why are you preaching the same sermon? He's because I want you to live out this one. You know, he's just... Again and again, he's bringing up this topic about the certainty we can have in Jesus. Because John wants us to know and live out this truth that sets our hearts at rest. So how do we do that? Well, let's dig into what John has to say here. As we look again at verse 19, he says again, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. And in reading that, I guess the simple question we might ask is, well, the by what? You know, what is the this that John is talking about when he says, by this, you will know? Well, I think the simplest answer is that John is referring to the thing he's just finished talking to us about. And if you go back to the previous verses, you know, we see just a few verses earlier, John begins his thought with verse 16, where he says, by this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You see, the reason for our peace the by this you shall know, the reason is Christ. We find rest in his love. And we can rest in the salvation that he offers to us. And you know, there's really, there's really no other place that you can begin when you're looking for peace than the relationship you can have with Jesus. That he's, he's your savior and that you've begun to experience that eternal life that is promised in him and in your relationship with him. And if you don't have that, you don't, there's no other step that you can take to begin this path to peace because you'll never find it outside of Jesus Christ. You have to accept his grace. You have to begin that relationship with him. You have to begin abiding and experience all that there is to experience in your relationship with God. You know, it's like that old, it probably doesn't preach as well, but you know, we used to put it on the sign, no peace, N-O, no peace, no, no, no Jesus, no peace. And then we, the funny was like the no K-N-O, no Jesus, and then you can, no peace. Oh, it, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't preach. All right. Um, <laughs> if you know Jesus, you know peace. And that really leads us to the first lesson this morning about peace and finding it. That in order to know peace, we need to believe that what God says and take him at is his word. About everything he tells us about Jesus. You know, there's an old story from many years ago where an evangelist was held holding a gospel meeting. And at this meeting was, 
was a woman who was seeking salvation, but she just had doubts because she was worried about her old life of sin. And the evangelist opened up his Bible to 1 John 1.9, and he showed her the promise there. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he told her to simply take God at his word, to depend on Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And the woman went home rejoicing. But the next morning, she came downstairs with tears in her eyes. And her young son, who had been with her at the meeting the night before, asked, Mom, what's troubling you? And she answered, well, last night I felt like I was saved, but now it just all seems like a dream. And the little boy said, well, Mom, go get your Bible. And open it up to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And so she did. And he, he just asked, Mom, is the verse still there? And she said, yes, my son, it is. And at that moment, the mother saw the truth. Her feelings didn't change God's word at all. So without regard to her feelings or doubt, she just took God at his word. And you know, it can be easy in our lives to begin to doubt, to wonder if it's all just too good to be true. That's when we need to simply take God at his word. You know, listen to some of these words. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 10.13, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can know that you have been forgiven. You can know that you're loved. You can know that you have salvation just by taking God at his word. Because God's promises are not based on our feelings. They're not based on our ability to be faithful. God's promises are based on his faithfulness and his faithfulness alone. And if you want to know how God, far God will go to keep his word, if you want assurance that God's promises to you will not fail, you need only look at the cross. Because the cross tells us that God was willing to pay any price, even death on the cross, to prove himself faithful. But if you're still having trouble believing that, John actually gives us two more reasons to believe it. Verse 20, he says, For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Now first we're told that God is greater than. And I don't want you to rush past that thought. You know, Pastor Steve Zeisler put it like this, the answer to the problem of a condemning heart is that God is greater. You know, whatever you think might condemn you, whatever it is in your life that you think might keep you down, whatever you think might get in the way of God's grace, just ask yourself, is that thing greater than Jesus himself? And the answer is no. Because Jesus is sufficient. 
Jesus was the perfect, sinless Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the King of kings and Lord of lords. What he wills, he accomplishes. Nothing is too difficult to him. No task is too great. No duty is too difficult. No requirement so steep that Jesus is not able. Because Jesus is greater than. And you know, his dying words on the cross were, it is finished. I mean, it's done. Completely, fully and completely and eternally. Because Jesus was greater than even our sin. And peace comes in knowing that we have a Savior who is greater Greater than everything and anything, including that voice inside our heads that tells us we have reason to doubt Jesus and the work that he has accomplished. Jesus is greater than all of those things. But then John also tells us in verse 20 that he knows everything. And I don't want you to rush past that thought either because to tell you the truth, in my ministry, I see a lot of people who are living in fear people who are doubting their salvation, people who are worried about where they're going to spend eternity because of something they've done. Because I think there's some people who must say to themselves, yes, Jesus died for my sins on the cross when I was saved, but after that, I feel like somehow if Jesus found out all of the secrets that I've been keeping in my life right now, he probably would have changed his mind. Like Jesus would just now be finding out about about your sin. But hear this. There is no sin, no crime, no life so lost that Jesus would deny you if you came to him. There's no one that God doesn't want to come to him for mercy. There's no one so desperate that God would deny them his grace. And Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your every secret, your every act, everything you've ever done or said, your every thought. He knows everything you have done, are doing, and ever will do. There's not a gossip in the world who can tell God anything about you that he doesn't already know. There's not a dark corner of your life that he has not yet seen. And Jesus knew all of that. Even before you were born, he knew all that and he still loves you. And he still died on the cross for you. Take comfort in the greatness of Jesus and that he knows you perfectly. He knows everything and he still loves you. Because we can take God at his word. And you know, having that confidence in God leads us to the next step on the pathway to peace. And that's prayer. You know, knowing peace leads us to be people of prayer. And if you want to look at verse 21, John says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, We have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Let me just ask here quickly, how would you describe your prayer life? Is confidence a word that you would use or do you feel more timid, maybe full of doubt? Maybe, you know, there's some guilt or uncertainty if God is even listening to you at all. And I ask you that because confidence is exactly how we should be approaching God in prayer. And this is not confidence based in ourselves. It's not self-confidence. Like This is confidence in approaching God because of confidence of who God is and knowing that he loves us and he hears us and he is able to answer us. And that we are his children. As Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We should be confident in prayer. And yet, you know, John almost seems to be saying here that, you know, if you do that, your prayers are a done deal. Uh, Verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Well, my kids are all getting a puppy, I guess. I don't know. Um, It almost seems like there's a blank check here on prayer, that you can just name it and claim it. But that's not really the case, because much of the time when the Bible talks about answered prayer, it always includes what we would probably think of as terms and conditions. And here John says it like this in verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. And we do what pleases him. You see, this is not prayer that's, you know, for prayer, selfish prayer for selfish gain. These are submitted prayers for God's gain. So I think the fuller thought of what John is saying here is, John is saying is if you are in a place where in your life, your heart and your life are in tune with the will of God, you're going to be praying the kinds of prayers that God loves to answer. Because when the people of God pray the will of God for the glory of God, we can expect God to move. And when it comes to knowing peace in our lives, having a God who answers prayers is a huge source of both encouragement and confidence. And you know, I have found when I pray about something in my life, even when God says no, I have peace about that because I now know that that is not part of God's will for my life because he's given me an answer. And there's, a, there's assurance even in that. So let me add one big encouragement here to you. That you need to bring your problems and your troubles to the Lord in prayer. You know, you wouldn't, well, you probably would believe how many times people come to me with a problem. And then you ask them, have you prayed about this? And the answer is no. And then, you know, I know prayer is hard work. I know the second you get out of bed every morning, all your troubles and all your worries and your concerns and just the busyness of your day hits you like a tidal wave. But we need to take the time to pray. We need to take time to push all of that other stuff aside to make time for quiet prayer. Our job in each of our troubles is to take it to God first before anything else. And if it's large or if it's small, pray about it. Pray about everything. Turn your worry list into a prayer list. Take your burdens to God in prayer. You know, prayer is one of God's best answers to people who have anxious souls. Because peace in our lives leads us to being people of prayer, and prayer in our lives leads us to be people of peace and have peace. And then John continues in verse 23. And he said, This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. And we've always sort of we've already sort of covered part of this verse with the need to believe. In the name of Jesus Christ, you know, we need to trust in Christ alone and take him at his word. But I just want to take a quick nod to that second part of this verse where John, again, tells us to love one another. And, you know, we spent all of last week's sermon looking at that very idea. But just to expand a little bit more on this idea of loving one another when it comes to the idea of having peace. Because when it comes to having peace, we need to understand community is important for finding peace. You know, the Bible is actually quite clear that our relationship with one another affects our relationship with God. When it comes to living a life of peace, how we treat each other matters. And I'll give you two examples of this, one positive and one negative. First, the negative. 
Because you know what? Broken relationships with fellow believers will hinder the sense of peace we have in our lives. When we're at war or conflict with another person, it's unlikely that we are able to, you know, find our hearts at rest. When we're at war with another person, even church can become a battleground instead of a sanctuary. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, beginning verse 23, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. To know true peace, we have to make that effort to be at peace, live at peace with one another. And then secondly, and there's also the positive effect that community has on, a community of faith has upon us when it comes to seeking faith. Because when we find ourselves in a community where we are truly loving one another, that community, that church becomes a place where, you know, we feel supported and encouraged. We feel loved. We, you, you know, we, we know that these people that we're living our lives with are going to be there for us. You know, when you're a part of a community like that, even the storms of life that we face feel less severe because we know we don't have to face them alone. We'll face them together. You know, the sense of peace that we have with God is it's solidified and it's magnified when we live at peace with one another in a community that loves each other. If you want to experience the fullness of peace in Christ, we need to seek to live in peace with one another. And then John, John tells us in verse 24, he says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. Um, and as I was thinking about this verse this week, it struck me how much I guess our obedience is related to our sense of peace in our lives. Because you know what? On the flip side, living in disobedience, it, does, it doesn't do anything in our lives except the sort of sowed seeds of doubt in our mind. You know, when we live in disobedience, it, it creates distance in our relationship with God. It doesn't change our standing before him, but it just changes our hearts. Um, my mom... I'm sort of sad my sister's here because she knows the story and she might tell you too much. But my mom used to tell the story about when I was a very young kid and I did something that I knew I shouldn't do. I was ashamed of, so I hid. I was very small. I hid. Unfortunately, I fell asleep when I was hiding. <laughs> my family took, it was like hours they were looking for me. I don't know if they called the police or not. But even as a kid, I knew my disobedience was wrong. I knew it would make my parents disappointed. And again, they weren't going to kick me out of the family for what I did, but it made me personally doubt my place. That's how disobedience plays with our minds. We want to run and hide when we should be running towards Christ. Because when we live in obedience, you know, we save ourselves from those kinds of doubts and discouragements that, that come in. When we live in obedience, you know, the devil has far less ammunition to attack us or guilt us with. If you choose to just live in obedience to God, we experience just so much more peace in our lives. And then finally, uh, in the same verse, John says in verse 24, uh, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. And I just want to quickly end this talk about peace with the importance of abiding in Christ. You know, it's this idea that that peace comes most fully into our lives when we are most fully focused on Jesus 
and are actively pursuing our relationship with him. Peace comes when we are taking time to grow and taking time to know God more. Peace comes when we abide in Christ. And we're taking time out of just the business of our lives just to nurture our connection to Jesus. You know, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 46. And Psalm 46, what I love about it is Psalm 46 is this picture of chaos and upheaval. It talks about the earth giving way and the seas roaring and foaming and mountains are trembling and nations are raging and kingdoms are tottering. But then in verse 10, in the midst of all of that that's going on, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When turmoil comes, there's nothing better for us to do than to turn to the Lord, to stop our striving and just seek his face, to be still in the middle of all the craziness of our lives and in that stillness, abide and be with Jesus. Because there's a lot of things in this world that we try to, you know, we, which we try to lean. Money, education, family. There's lots of places that we are tempted to run to in times of trouble. But the only place that really matters is, is Jesus. You know, because God alone is the one who will never fail us. God alone is where we will find that peace that we're so desperately searching for. And this is important, especially because, you know, so often when we're going through a crisis, one of the first things that gets squeezed out of our lives by worry or stress is the presence of God. So if you're in need of peace this morning, just let me encourage you to seek Jesus and abide in him. And I'm going to kind of just leave it right there because those are the lessons I think John wants us to take hold of. He wants us to know that we can have assurance, that we can live with confidence, that our hearts can be at rest. And we can know peace in our lives. Perfect peace in the midst of any circumstances because of Jesus. And we can do that if we believe God and we take him at his word. If we will seek God in prayer. If we'll participate in a community of love. If we'll live in obedience and actively abide in Christ. Then we will know the peace of God in our lives in ways we could never have imagined. Peace that passes understanding. Because peace is God's promise to his people. But, you know, before we close, I just want to add one application of my own here. And that's simply, if God has offered you his peace in your life, then let other people know about it. You remember back when we used to actually use money, <laughs> like cash money? And there's a lot of stores that used to have that little bowl that, you know, it's like, have a penny, leave a penny, need a penny, take a penny. That's actually what I see in this verse. If you need the peace of God in your life, take hold of it. It's yours in Christ to have through all that John has told us today. And if you already have peace, then offer it to others. Give it away. We're living in a time when peace is a rare commodity in our world today. Peace is a message the world needs to hear. So let people know it. Let people know that God loves them. Let people know that God is still searching for those who don't yet know him. Let them know that Jesus died for them so they can have assurance and salvation and forgiveness. Tell everyone who will listen 
that God's peace is available to them. Tell the drug addict. Tell the convict. Tell the little children God's peace is for them. Tell the backslider. Tell the unemployed person. Tell those who are worrying. Tell the broken and the bruised and the burdened and the tempted and the tried and the tortured. Tell the lost, the lame, and the least. Tell anyone who will listen God's peace can be theirs in Jesus. Because we don't have to live in fear. Our hearts don't have to tremble before the Lord. It doesn't matter if the circumstances we're we're facing right now are insurmountable. It doesn't matter if it looks hopeless. It doesn't matter if the situation you're in is bigger than you are because peace can be found in Christ. And you know, I've shared this with you before, but I always find it interesting. Jesus could have been known by many things when he came to be our Savior. Could have been the prince of patience, the prince of gentleness, the prince of faithfulness, prince of salvation, prince of kindness, And he deserves every one of those titles. And yet, more than any of those things, he came to be known as the Prince of Peace. And as we take hold of our Savior, we can take hold of that peace that he offers. And we can set our hearts at rest in his presence. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the peace that we have that is ours in Christ. And it is perfect peace. It is peace that surpasses our understanding. And that that peace is not found in blue skies or sunny days or smooth sailing. That peace comes from you. And it is ours in every circumstance that we will face in this world and beyond. And Lord, even as the world around us spins what feels like out of control, peace can still be ours. May Jesus be the rock that we stand on that puts our hearts truly at rest. And nothing can take that away. Nothing can take away the assurance that we have in Christ Jesus. And I pray that, Lord, even though that the peace is ours, I pray that we would make the decisions in our lives that that make that peace more real. That, Lord, we would be reading your word and believing it to be true and standing on those promises that you have given to us, that we would be people of prayer, that whenever we have a concern or a burden, we would take it to you, take it before the throne of grace, that, Lord, we would be a community of believers who love one another, and that the peace that we have in our own hearts would be magnified as we gather together. And, Lord, if there's anyone here who has a broken relationship with someone else, I pray that you would bring conviction to that person, and the courage to go and make that right so that peace may be magnified in this church. And Lord, I pray that we would live in obedience. That Lord, that those sins that creep into, none of us are perfect, but Lord, those sins that creep into our life would be dealt with and taken away and not cause us to to worry those fiery darts of the enemy would be extinguished. And Lord, I pray that we would abide, just abide deeply in you. And secretly, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, whenever you worry, the first thing you need to do is seek first the kingdom of God. All that other stuff will deal with.